Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number Stores or SleepNumber.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to What Culture Gaming. We are the news lads, and this is the news lads. I'm Scott Taylor, joined by Mr. Josh Brown. Hello, Scott Tilford. I love I mean, that. I love that we're making this a thing. Just an off-the-cuff joke, <laughs> and now that's the title of the podcast. It's the news, lads, mate. And uh, there's also, yeah, this is the news, lads. Uh, sadly, there isn't any Geordie Jim this week. Uh, Geordie Jim uh, on the Sony side hasn't done any up-to-date quotes, but um, the second he uh, launches in with anything relating to PlayStation, um, we'll put it in, mate, because you know, <laughs> whatever he says has gone read in. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, we thought we'd do a, another news roundup because it's a Monday, um, and there's quite a few things on here. Some stuff from a few days ago, um, some stuff breaking as we record this. Um, so we're going to start with the fact that the PS5 is outselling Xbox Series consoles two to one. Um, there's quite a bit of data for this. Um, the source is Video Games Chronicle, and they've been told that the P- PS5 has outsold the PS4 um, in the UK and worldwide. Um, the PlayStation 4 sold 250,000 units in its first 48 hours back in 2013. So if the PS PS5 has beaten that, um, then it does beat the already announced Xbox Series uh, data, um, which the combined Xbox Series S and X sales are 155,000 units in the UK for the 48 hours, and 1.1 million to 1.4 million units worldwide, um, which is, le- that's across two weeks. Um, sorry, that's across the um, the 48 hour period or whatever, but that's still a hell of a lot less than what the PS4 did back in 2013, where its worldwide sales were 2.1 million units. Either way you slice it, the Xbox stuff is coming in at half of the PlayStation side. What do you think? Well, uh, for, for one, Scott, obviously it's really good for Sony and that they've managed to keep the momentum of the PlayStation 4. Because I remember like, when mm. that came out and that sort of beat everyone's expectations mm. and everyone was kind of wondering if it was a fluke, whether or not we'd have the same desire for a console that we had back for the PlayStation 4. And obviously the PlayStation 5, even if it might arguably have less of a you know, push around the launch lineup and stuff like that, it's still obviously sold really well. The desire for consoles is still there. I just mm-hmm. don't think we should necessarily sniff at what Microsoft's managed to achieve, you know, considering that they, um, you know, sort of turned the tide in public perception, considering that they pretty much have no launch games, like that you buy a <laughs> nope, console not, not for. not pretty much. They just, they do not have they any launch games. 
Yeah, they've got no launch games, and they still managed to outsell outsell the Xbox um, One, which uh, you know is is pretty admirable, and that mm. that still sold decently back in the day. It obviously looks bad when you put it directly next to Sony, and mm. you see like the two to one comparison, but it's still interesting. What popped me about this list <laughs> was that in the UK, um, the Xbox Series X and the Xbox One were outperformed by the PSP. The PSP sold 185k. <laughs> the PSP, mate, was a beautiful, smack. beautiful thing. Sadly, the Vita's not even on this list. Basically, uh, <laughs> VGC, Video Game Chronicle, brought together various other console launches. All this, uh, all of this specific data I'm about to read out is for the first 48 hours only in the UK. Um, but yeah, the PSP, PSP, the original PSP, did 185,000 units um, versus the Xbox One did 150,000 units. Um, and like we said before, Xbox Series consoles combined have done 155,000 units so yeah i mean i love the psp i love the vita more but the vita didn't even chart on this thing so either it didn't be either it didn't break the forty thousand units of the wii u or mr vgc doesn't even want to include it on the road maybe that's it maybe we just as a culture pretend that the vita didn't happen <laughs> like sony's well up for that like we, they could just leave it their legacy being the psp in the psp goal whatever it was called the mini version of it i think beautiful they're, beautiful they're thing fine with that it is yeah like i mean it's it's mad especially considering just how limited stock has been like we mm. were talking on the last podcast about how difficult it was to get a playstation or the xbox and how many like users were waiting in a queue for one at mm. the uk retailer curry's for instance uh, one hundred and fifty thousand people just queued to try to get this machine so it's going to be interesting how sony keeps up with that demand and whether how much longevity those sales have because mm. i wonder whether it um you know this rapid pace of sales persists into 2021 and then 2022 or if we're going to peak really early and then it peters out i don't know i'm not an analyst that's what i get paid for scott <laughs> you're not an analystman but we will dive in every week and attempt to be one together <laughs> um i do wonder like do you think this is a ringing endorsement of exclusives like as a reason to buy a new console because as someone who gets uh, who has both now, um, I do I do love the Series X. Like I think that I I'm buying everything third party on the Xbox side, and, and when I'm going back into stuff, I bought Shadow Complex Remastered on the Xbox last night. Because um, I was gonna go, and I saw that they did a tweet saying it works on PS5 now, and I was like, why would I buy it on PS5 when I can get the auto HDR, auto upscaling shenanigans on the on the Series X? So I think if you're you know investing in video games as a medium, you're gonna go back to titles and stuff. The Xbox is just head and shoulders above that, like original Mass Effect or the Mass Effect trilogy with auto HDR and Titanfall 2 at 120 frames a second, mate. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. <laughs> and I love that as a selling point, but the, the literal data is and the marketing, the way that it was sort of rolled out was like, if you want new stuff, that's on PlayStation. It's not the yeah. auto up stuff. And obviously a two to one sales lead is kind of, a, do you think it's a ringing endorsement of the PlayStation brand, the exclusive stuff, the marketing? Like why exactly do you think they've pulled ahead? I think there's a lot to take into consideration. Obviously, exclusivity and what the consoles have to offer at launch is a big deal because even though I love what Microsoft has done with Game Pass and backwards Mm. compatibility and stuff like that, the data for years has obviously pointed towards backwards compatibility itself not being like a system seller. There is a reason why both companies moved away from that for entire console generations and decided they didn't need it because it's not the thing that pulls in um, unit sales. It's not the thing that pulls in fans mm-hmm. or anything um like that it's at the end of the day it's the idea that you're getting something new in playstation for the past few months has pitched itself as the one machine c- coming out at the end of this holiday that's going to give you something new you're going to get a new ui you're going to get a new look in the console you're going to get a new um experience in the dual sense you're going astro, to get exclusive mate. games you're going to get astro you're going to get demon souls even spider-man miles morales whilst it's on playstation 4 um a lot of people have bought that for playstation 5 judging off the uk sales data and that's 
that's mm-hmm. the reason ultimately why I went for PlayStation over Microsoft as well, because I wanted this new experience. I know that I can get an Xbox Series X, hopefully, if the stock <laughs> comes back in about six months uh-huh. and not really miss anything. There's going to be no games that I couldn't have played. There's going to be nothing like that. And I do think that's kind of why Sony has kind of pulled ahead. And there's obviously you need to take into account that the UK historically has been a Sony branded country. Like if you look at the sales data for the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox One, it always seems to quite largely um, show that Sony outsells Microsoft in terms of consoles and kind of presence and, you know, in just presence in the public consciousness, I suppose. Mm-hmm. So that's nothing to be snuffed out either. They've spent decades now, like maintaining that brand in the country and worldwide. Obviously, mm-hmm. I'm just I'm fascinated by the whole exclusive thing. Like, at what point does the game like does gaming or access to gaming as a medium? What time does it like peter out? Like, are exclusives as important? Like, would you? It's it's that whole thing. Like, do you subscribe to Netflix for the originals, or do you subscribe for the body of of content, mm-hmm. the body body of films that are there? Same with on the Amazon side or whatever. And like, is that something that gaming is just it's just going to meet out over time, where like exclusives, quote unquote, aren't as important? Um, but like you said, it, it's it's obviously going to be a mix of all these things: the branding, the exclusives, the like the history of PlayStation versus the history of Xbox. There's so much more for Sony to cash in on, uh, literally in this case. But I think yeah, a two to one sales lead. I still think that it's pretty impressive for Xbox to come back so much. Like there was that recent interview with uh, Phil Spencer where he said they pretty much gave up on Xbox overall because the Xbox yeah. One was so disastrous. Um, and he sort of like has spearheaded the whole revival resurrection movement after Don Matrix sort of drove it into the side of uh, the side of a road. So I think like <laughs> bring it, being able to bring it back and even even being able to do a two to one, you know, uh, comeback or whatever is still pretty impressive anyway. Um, on to the next thing though. And um, we covered this in a separate video so you can check out if you're on the pod feed, which you will be because this isn't a video. Um, you can also listen to me and Josh doing our initial take on the Metal Gear Solid remake being true. Um, but we're going to dive into that a little bit more. I've got a particular question I want to ask you, Mr. Josh Brown. Ooh, um, I'm excited. But, um, so yeah, the Metal Gear Solid remake is apparently true. This comes from insider Moore's Law is Dead, um, who already confirmed God of War 2 was going to be real before that was announced. Um, and also alongside this is that Silent Hills is apparently happening with um, Kojima and Konami reaching an agreement um, so that he can continue the work that he started back when he was at Konami. Um, both of these things have separate videos, separate uh, discussions that we've already done on either the video side or you can find them on the uh, podcast feed. Um, but still, uh, as the overall talking point being that the Metal Gear Solid remake is happening, um, the like, additional details for that are that it's being developed by Bluepoint. It's been in development for three years. Um, and the thing I was going to ask you is, um, do you think that Kojima will be involved at all? Because I was looking into, I remembered when we were doing this news this morning, and I don't know if you know, but the original Metal Gear Solid, the PS1 one, was translated by one guy. It was translated by this dude called Jeremy Blaustein. And uh, he was literally sitting in an office in Konami, um, uh, over in, in Japan, sorry, uh, working for Konami, um, when they were thinking about you know translating it over to the West. And he just literally, like, you can read the whole thing. Polygon did a really great uh, insider article on it. Um, well, he, they pretty much just asked the group, like, does anybody know any English? Can they translate it? And he was like, I do a little bit of J- Japanese and English. I-, I can do that. And they just gave the whole script to him. Um, and he did the whole thing. And so, like, that first game, the reason it's so westernized, there's so many, like, you know, like, action hero references and 80s action hero references and things like that. The reason it's the most grounded Metal Gear is because it's barely Kojima involved with the western side of it, which I think is why Twin Snakes is way more eastern and anime and stuff, and why Metal Gear Solid became so damn crazy after the first one. Um, because Kojima was, and that was after the first game was the one when Kojima was like, I want full creative control. He made a whole bargain with Konami to say that he would have final say on everything. So all of that is to say half an hour later that um, I wonder if 
um, Kojima even cares about you know dipping his toes back into the original Metal Gear again? I think um, again, this is entirely like speculation of what I think will happen. Mm-hmm. I imagine that because he's so entrenched in the Sony ecosystem now, especially after Kojima Productions did Death Stranding, they're apparently doing a horror game, potentially Silent Hills mm. with them. I feel like they'll they'll get his name attached, but I don't think he'll be like actively involved with the production. At least just judging off how much he wants to be done with Metal <laughs> Gear, you know what I mean? Like I think that? they'll get his name value on as like a consultant or an executive producer to be like, look, this is um, authorized by the original creator he's having some input he's going to have some say on what's going on yeah you know what i mean but whether or not he'll be actually involved on the ground level i doubt it when it comes to the translation that is really interesting because that um, piece is really interesting Mm -hmm. but judging on what blue point has recently done with demon souls which went back and retranslated the game which Mm -hmm. actually changed a few minor things but they sort of updated it so it was more um authentic or whatever i think that's probably what will happen to the original script on metal gear solid Mm -hmm. like i I can't imagine it'll change that much but i do think we will see some differences um from game to game well that was kind of the thing online with the original yeah yeah, yeah, that was kind of the thing. Like, this Blaustein guy in the Polygon piece, like, he says, like, I added... I, I forget the exact... I haven't read this piece in, like, a, a few months or whatever, but I remember him saying, like, I added X reference to different stuff. I made, like, Snake sort of, like, it has a certain sense of swagger to him. Like, there's a different... There's very very much a different tone to the first Metal Gear, to Metal Gear Solid 2. But, like, another sort of thing to this question is, like, will Kojima want it to be a different way than the original one was like does he want to remove all of Blaustein because this is the dude for as much as everyone loves Hideo Kojima and I'm a massive fan of him too he's pretty cut and dry when it comes to what he wants and doesn't want like literally kicked David Hayter to the curb um for Metal Gear Solid 5 didn't even let him know that they were doing Metal Gear Solid 5 um and then he had to like in for Metal Gear 3 he had to re-audition as Big Boss and it's like Kojima's like I said he's pretty ruthless when it comes to what he wants and like he was the dude that like got back involved with Twin Snakes and was kind of like oh this is how Metal Gear Solid 1 should have been and I don't want that I don't want a Metal Gear Solid 1 remake <laughs> to be this stupid missile flipping anime thing I love anime but I don't want that for the first Metal Gear I think it's probably the trickiest remake there's potentially ever been so far <laughs> like you look uh-huh. at um, Resident Evil 2 while a lot of people love that original game it you can see how they got from that original kind of tank control um, approach to the updated remake that is more in line with Resident Evil 4 because there was already a template and to a lot of people Resident Evil is Resident Evil 4 so it makes mm-hmm. sense for it to be adapted in that style because there isn't kind of one consistent thing mm-hmm. but when it comes to Metal Gear Solid 1 like there have been so few updates of that game in particular i know we've had obviously sequels and stuff mm-hmm. but it's for me it's the hardest thing to try and imagine because you know in the gaming space there are very few auteurs or whatever but Hideo Kojima definitely is one and so mm-hmm. much of his directing style so much of his personalities in that first game in particular you know translation errors or, or not whatever like the direction of the game the look of the game the feel of the game it's like it comes from him and that team at the time and the artists and the talented people obviously on board and i think trying to either replicate that or reimagine it or quote unquote update it for a modern audience is just a task that <laughs> me personally i would never want to have i don't even know where i would even begin with that it is mm. so difficult and you are, you run the risk of pissing off so many different people that I think only a team like Blue Point could do it. I wouldn't trust yeah. 
I would trust very few other developers with this, but judging on their like past history, like we said, Demon Souls, Shadow of the Colossus, even you know their hand in the HD upgrades for Metal Gear Solid 2, 3, Peace Walker and stuff like that. They know this franchise, they know the PlayStation legacy. If they get some input from Kojima, hopefully they can thread that needle, man, and do it, do it justice. I think I'm too indebted. Because I, I, I said in the other video that we did that Metal Gear Solid is my favorite game of all time. If they, if they change anything, really, I'm not <laughs> going like to pal. They're going yeah, I know. And it's like a new camera angle. You, oh, you change like a voice, a little the way like an inflection, the way someone delivers a line. Like I just, I, for me, I don't know if they can get it right, but I'll be amazed if they can. Um, As always. Yeah. As always, my ideal with like these remasters and remakes is to do something, you know, do something new, do a reimagining, do whatever, <laughs> but also at the same time, package in a really faithful version of it, kind of like the Master Chief Collection does when you can like switch mm. between the modes. Do that and please everyone, maybe. That's, I know that's, that's a, a lot of hard work. No, that's a, that's a really good point because, I mean, it depends how much work they do to it, whether it can run both games at the same time, I guess. But like yeah. <clears throat> considering how much wireframe mesh stuff and literal game DNA Bluepoint bring across when they do their remakes, like the original game in Demon Souls case is running underneath all that stuff. So it's like you could like go between in, in that case. But yeah, maybe in Metal Gear, I, I, was, I don't know. I'm very terrified. I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of happy they're going to do it. But I'd also, I would just take a re-release of the original for me. But um, yeah, same. you never know. Um, either way, next uh, news item, there was another, there was a new rather Metro game. Um, it came from developer 4A's blog. Now our resident Metro fan, Mr. Benroy, um, he said that uh, this was a few days ago, which but we didn't, I didn't see anybody talking about a new Metro game. And Me and Benroy because... were, Scott Tilford. You just ignore all of our messages. Where, where, where was this? If you ah, somewhere. Yeah, somewhere. I somewhere away from me when I was too busy talking about Ori and the Will of the Wisps. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so apparently there's a new Metro game that came from developer 4A's blog. Um, and they just, they literally, they were celebrating the 10th anniversary of Metro 2033. Um, and they said that uh, for the new game, um, they want to use everything that they've learned from the last 15 years and they're setting their sights even higher. The next title is being built for Gen 9 consoles and PC with a complete overhaul of the engine and renderer to take advantage of new power, storage, and hardware supported ray tracing afforded by the new consoles. Um, a bigger thing though is that um, they're going to try multiplayer um, they said it's not set in stone um, but they say uh, look we're not, we're not looking to jump on some trend or bandwagon as creators we want to explore a multiplayer experience that makes complete sense in the Metro universe we're committed to ensuring that whatever we do it's not to the detriment of our single player ambitions and then later on in the blog it's almost like they walk it back because they know how crazy it sounds they're like none of these thoughts mean that the next Metro game will be multiplayer only or that the next game will have single and multiplayer in the same package we're still figuring everything out um, but know that we are absolutely committed to more single player story driven experiences in the metro universe what's your thoughts on them what do you want a multiplayer metro i sure i wouldn't mind it i wouldn't mind if you had like a co-op mode in the main campaign because mm. to my knowledge i haven't played the original two in a while but obviously i played exodus last year year before whenever that game came out i locked down i don't know but for the most part, I think that while you do have missions where you're, you know, on your own, you also have a wide cast of characters. Like in Exodus, you have a literal train full of other characters that you're mm. bonding with that you could theoretically take out on these missions. So it's not too much of a stretch to have another player, you know, jump in the shoes of one of those people and kind of join you on a mission. That said, I love Metro Exodus in particular because you're in this get wide open space. You're mm -hmm. exploring this ravaged world and it feels like a classic survival horror game in a lot of ways. It feels like, you know, I tried to compare it to Fallout, but if Fallout was taken like 100% seriously and was like yeah. this gritty thing, it feels um, like that. I had such a great time playing that last game and, you know, the sense of immersion is so excellent the fact that you have this very limited hood the fact that the visuals are so gorgeous i just thought 
Man, I have I have fond memories of it. I have I have fond memories of it, but all mm. of the Metro games so far has just missed the mark of like they're being, so close. Yeah, yeah, they're so close, and each one has. Every time it solves a problem as a series, I feel like it opens up a new kind of wound. Mm. And it's just like, you are, you are so close to being like amazing. You are so close to being the perfect post-apocalyptic game. Mm. Just there are things holding you back. A lot of times that comes with like the tech, you know, for as good as Exodus looked and for as big and ambitious it was, there was still like a lot of issues with bugs and glitches and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. um, so hopefully they managed to solve those technical issues, those kind of issues with the you know, game engine or mechanics or whatever and mm-hmm. deliver a Metro game that like finally, finally patches up that framework <laughs> properly in Excel to the next level. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash boast. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. One thing that I loved in uh, Exodus is like, and it's it's almost it's very far cry. It's sort of because obviously on in Exodus you went to the surface for the first time, like extended periods of time, and you're exploring those little settlements and things like that. And I love that because I thought the the game itself, like I loved all the um like weapon crafting stuff and all the like really slow burn stealth infiltration stuff and any wrong yeah. move and the whole base descends on you and it's really intense. And like you can do a slow burn approach, like a more methodical approach to a far cry style settlement like infiltration thing. And um and I think that that like can be their signature element if they wanted to make that co-op so like i would love if they did like um proximity based audio like phasmophobia style and like two mm. of you are just like infiltrating a place and maybe you can you have to push a button to talk to each other but if you do that next to a guard it's going to alert them and things like that like i don't know i don't know how much that gets away from the the through line like drive of a metro game but i for me i got lost in those open world segments so much in exodus and like that would be the thing that you multiplayerize it wouldn't be the corridor crawling story stuff because yeah two people People aren't going to want to stand around and wait while characters talk to them. They're going to want to do missions together. 
Yeah, it's, it's what's, what's going to be key, I think, with this decision is whether or not they expand on the open world elements. Because mm. in um, Exodus, you had like a bunch of mini distinct kind of open areas that you could explore for, um, you know, resources and new weapons, stuff like that. And I wonder if they kind of like decide to double down on that, give us like a big open world. And I dread to say it, Scott Telford, but maybe <laughs> go down like the games as service route where you're oh, looking Josh, for... Oh, Josh, if you say it, it'll happen. I know, I know, I know. I shouldn't, I shouldn't verbalize it because it might. I don't want it to happen. But I can. Part of me can see that happening. I hope it it doesn't. And I think like the fans wouldn't be very kind to that happening. And I think the devs kind of in this series, especially, kind of try to play to what the fans want for the most mm. part. But um, I'm I'm imagining it, Scott, and the in the image won't go away. <laughs> is the problem? I think. I mean, the thing that I think we have to reckon with going to the next generation is that the word microtransactions isn't inherently evil. It's it is a way to monetize a set of developers. It is a way to monetize something going forward. It's just that that term is so attached to the worst applications of it. Um, yeah. thanks to the likes of EA, 2K, uh, Ubisoft, literally, literally, any big big devs that you know sort of dip their toes in the evil pond and then had to decide how far in they're going to go. Um, but speaking of multiplayer. Um, the next news thing, uh, Cyberpunk 2077, um, CDPR or CD Projekt Red, um, during an earnings briefing, uh, I think their, it's their CEO, it's Marcin Nowinski, um, was talking about the multiplayer expansion. And he said to think of it as its own independent production. Um, he said that they're focusing on single player for now, but to expect multiplayer updates across quarter one, 2021. Um, so that Cyberpunk uh, multiplayer, it's a separate dedicated production, a big production. We think about it as a standalone product. Um, what do you think of Cyberpunk multiplayer? There's, I think it's just me. I tend to just not care that much about multiplayer unless it's focused on it from the beginning like call of duty style but it's i don't know yeah i mean i don't even know what i think about cyberpunk single player (laughs) never mind this one that doesn't technically exist that we've probably seen shown off yet Mm -hmm. um i don't know i don't know what they could do to really pique my personal interest you know what i mean like when it comes to the world of cd project red or whatever in the rpgs they create it is the single player experience that i'm Therefore, it's not necessarily like a set of mechanics or a gameplay loop or anything like that. It's the story and more importantly, your role in the story. So to kind of potentially strip that out of a multiplayer experience, like I don't know how I Mm. would drive with their games if it is just a kind of mechanical focus with you and other people or whatever. Maybe they managed to integrate the two, but in in my experience, when developers try to say that they've got a multiplayer multiplayer game that retains the story-driven approach (laughs) of the single player, it just never works. Like, look at Anthem, look at Fallout 76. I'm not going to say that the Cyberpunk multiplayer mode is going to be an Anthem or a Fallout 76, but... The, the history hasn't been kind to these kind of experiences. And I hope that devs of this caliber can pull off something interesting, but it's not something I'm personally, personally kind of like putting all my eggs in the basket of. One question for you. Did you play the Darkness's multiplayer, the Darkness game from 2007? I did not. Because <laughs> that was one of the only examples of a game that didn't need multiplayer at all. But obviously it's like in the boom of their second half of the 2000s when Call of Duty's taken off and like, oh, you know, Fiberwire, sorry, not Fiberwire, like broadband connections and hey, we should have a multiplayer. <laughs> and like The Darkness is the most single player focused driven. It's brilliant, that game. And then I remember just seeing the multiplayer option on the menu and like that was the most bare bones point the camera at something and shoot it repeatedly for a deathmatch style yeah. multiplayer ever. And that's what I always think of whenever they like try and bolt a multiplayer on or something i'm like it's gonna be like the darkness um but i kind of wonder like you know obviously with cyberpunk they've gone back and forth on how much the of the overblown action stuff they're gonna do initially it was like you could hang off the walls but they've taken that out so like you know if they did a multiplayer mode i guess i would just take it if it was straight up deathmatch and like the perks that you equip are the body mods and then you get different yeah. super jumps and you know whatever but 
I don't know, I'm also like ridiculously skeptical that it could even be a thing because you'd have to focus on those gameplay mechanics. I'd like to see more. I mean, I, re- I remember when um, The Last of Us came out and if someone said, you know, The Last of Us is going to have this killer multiplayer mode, mm. I'd have gone, no, no, it's not. It's going to be terrible. Why would you do that? Why would you At do least not you have done Uncharted before then. True, but even the Uncharted multiplayer modes, I personally never jived with. And I, I, didn't, think they were, I didn't think they were tacked on. I was just they like, this is not on. what I'm here for. It's the same kind of thing. I'm not saying they're bad. It's just not the experience I was here for. But then obviously The Last of Us came out, grounded mode, not grounded mode. Uh, I forget what it's called, the multiplayer mode. Factions. Um, factions, yes. It was yeah. like genuinely you know, novel and awesome and it played so well and that changed mm. my mind entirely. So all CD Projekt Red needs to do is create something on par with like factions that can completely change my mind and kind of get into my head and say, Josh, stop being, you know, so biased against this. You do need this because it's very good. But yes. obviously I'm here for it. It's just something that I can't get excited about until I actually see it in the flesh. Fair enough. I think, yeah, I'm, I, Cyberpunk is in such a weird place, man. Like the last gameplay reveal that they did, I was like, okay, I care about this now because I have, I have more context as to what the hell we're doing, why Johnny Silverhand is popping up and all that kind of thing. But I kind of feel like the hype's kind of gotten away from them. I think at this stage, it's just going to be like, okay, what have you guys built? Let's actually just yeah. see what this is, as opposed to this version of the game that's kind of out there, where some people think it's Cyberpunk GTA and other people think that it's Skyrim with lasers. Like, I just, it's somewhere in between, I think, but I guess we'll find <laughs> out. Um, next news thing is uh, from Crash Bandicoot 4. Apparently, there's a new logo popping up at the beginning of the first level, um, which is at the very beginning of, of uh, Crash 4. It's about time. If you sit, after you've beaten the game, if you sit and watch the TV that's uh, as part of like Crash's sort of makeshift bedroom or where he's living, um, that TV now shows a completely new logo, which looks like a Wumpa, uh, it's a Wumpa fruit uh, with what looks like two kind of recycling arrows, like circling each other behind it, mm. which to my mind, because it's Activision, I think it's a microtransaction thing. I think they're putting some sort of um, microtransaction storefront in there that will let you buy the skins that you otherwise get for gems because that's exactly what they did with Crash Team Racing. Um, yeah. And I just don't see why they wouldn't. It's like they've, they've you know, the reviews were great. Everyone loves it. Um, they've probably crunched the data on how many people are managing to get enough gems for those costumes and gone, we can just do a storefront for it. I'm surprised that hasn't happened already because like you said, mm. it did happen with Crash Team Racing, you know, relatively quick after launch. And I, I would have assumed that they'd have put that in already. The only, the only thing that makes me think it might be like a new full game or DLC or something Ooh. is because it's on that TV because everything else on that TV when you spin it at the beginning is an older Crash game. I think it just yes. cycles through the um, start menus for all of them. So that could be hinting towards something new. I hope it's something more substantial because I bloody loved Crash 4. And it's I always say I want to keep saying josh you got to go back and like get all the gems and get 106 percent and i probably won't ever but i like that it's there to do as a project i did um i had the same thought i did i've got all the uh, costumes apart from and we can't swear that we can't swear at all i was gonna i was gonna say we can't swear that much we can't swear at all but the uh flipping poppy cocking heck of the uh, last <laughs> level where you've got to chain all your powers together for that one oh, final yeah. gauntlet and it's like oh just beat that in less than three tries and i'm like no i'll just delete you in one try and never ever <laughs> ever come back to this again um so yeah I, i'm i want more crash but i think um i would all i wouldn't if they put a uh, economy into that game that lets you build up the coins or build up the fruits or whatever you need to buy those skins based on other goals i would love that but if the only way to get that really cool looking vampire skin uh, or bat skin is uh you know is is to cough up real world cash then mm-hmm. just burn it alive to be honest because it's just <laughs> that's not good at all um final news thing is um halo infinite getting a battle royale mode because of all the other things that should have happened by now why not that i guess <laughs> 
Um, so this comes from comicbook.com saying that, um, according to one of their sources, um, Halo Infinite is getting a Battle Royale mode, but it is developed by a different team. Because um, 343 okay. Industries were already asked about this um, earlier uh, earlier in 2020, and they said the only BR that they care about is Battle, is battle Rifle. Um, <laughs> the correct answer... <laughs> <laughs> the correct answer is Assault Rival, but you know, not to worry. It divides the fandom and has done for many years. But yeah, they're doing, uh, they're, they're, someone else is apparently doing battle. Uh, I, I can't stop saying Battle Rifle now. Someone else is doing Battle yeah. Royale and apparently it's going to be 120 frames a second. It's going to be free to play and it's going to come in 2021. What do you think of all this? Well, first off, Scott, that battle rifle quote has like, I've laughed at that about five different times a day. And the biggest pop came from you reading it out loud. I love the idea of some dev at the 343 having that zinger sort of in their mind, just waiting and begging for someone to ask this question. And then being like, right, I get to use that, I get to deploy this quote that everyone will uh, laugh at. But as a, like, an idea, I think we actually reported on this. Well, we didn't report on it. We, um, it sounds like something we would do. Yeah, about a report that, um, about a rumor, sorry, it's almost <laughs> the end of the day, about a rumor that um, Halo was going to include a Battle Royale mode. Because um, mm. I remember everyone getting really annoyed at us for saying that, even though we were just the messengers. Um, and it makes Not like them, sense. is it? Not like them at all? No, I don't, I don't, I don't want it, but it makes sense. <laughs> Everything has a Battle Royale mode right now. I think mm. they're too late to put one in because we've already got our Battle Royale games. And in fact, I would argue that the entire subgenre is kind of, not dwindling, but it's not at the height it was like two years ago. You know what I mean? Like Warzone's obviously doing well. Apex Legends is doing well. Fortnite's doing well. PUBG's player base is kind of slowly going down. We've kind of plateaued when Mm. it comes to kind of like the peak of this subgenre. Not to say that, you know, these games are bad or failing or whatever, but it feels odd for Halo to be so late to the party. And if they are going to do a battle royale game or a mode or whatever, I would want it to be at least kind of, inventive on you or have something that they can uniquely bring to the table if it's, if it's the same gimmick of you know dropping in to this big place you know doing your regular loot you know to mm. reviving people once per game or a couple of times per game at a certain area i'd just be like well why did we wait so long for this you know what i mean like what have you got that you can offer well, I think, I mean, the reason they waited so long is because I think they thought they'd have Halo Infinite out by now. And yeah, I think they're true. scrambling to put those fires out and going like, well, there's a really big fire extinguisher called Battle Royale that'll sort of put these out for a bit if you <laughs> spray that left, right and center for a few months. <laughs> um, at least people will talk about that for a bit. Um, I don't know. It makes me think of the Halo 5 rec card system. I don't know if you played much of Halo 5's multiplayer. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I feel like they would roll that back in because they call it for, obviously they would call it free to play, um, but it would have the rec card stuff and that would dictate what your drops could be once you're like in the game and the thing that makes me think that they'll be super formulaic in regards to like how matches start and stuff like that is that they already have the uh the drop troopers or whatever they're called the dudes from like odst that you see in like halo 3 and everything like i think they would go down the line of like you know the official halo version of battle royale and it's like here's the the official drop guy like we we try we predate all this and it's like yeah (laughs) but not really and like i don't know i feel like um one of the coolest things about battle royale because i i just don't play it as a genre anymore i've just i've had my i've had my time and i don't do it much but i'll, uh, I'll do a few games when something's new and i love the gulag stuff in modern warfare just it's such yeah. a cool little wrinkle uh, into what modern into what battle royale is but i don't know i just don't trust uh it's not 343 would obviously oversee it i just don't trust the halo ip to surprise me in that way when halo infinite is such a box ticking remember when it was good lads type approach 
Totally, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of conflicted because at this point, I, I'm, I'm sure that Halo as a franchise has the ability to do something new and to mm. surprise us. But when I view it as like, you know, a series now, I just view it as Halo. I view it as a set of mechanics and a set of stylistic kind of um, priorities that the, the series just can't get, break away from. So when mm. I view Halo Battle Royale in my head, it's very kind of boilerplate. It's very by, by the numbers. And they might be able to do something interesting in you, but I just, I can't visualize it. And that's the big <laughs> problem. Even when Call of Duty announced Warzone, I could visualize how they could do Battle Royale because that, um, you know, that gameplay style of Modern Warfare is so crisp. It's so fluid. It's so mm. kinetic. It's so beautiful. Like the animations in that game, the look of it is genuinely impressive, especially at that scale. And I could imagine how that game especially could improve on some of the flaws that I had with the genre, you know, like the jankiness, the kind of mm-hmm. ugliness of the um, the locations and stuff like that. And it, it did, it, in my opinion, improved in those specific areas and gave me something that I could latch onto that I couldn't in games like PUBG or H1Z1 or even Apex Legends to an extent. Then they brought in, like you said, the gulag stuff. So mm-hmm. for me, that was like a, a great refinement of the battle of the battle royale genre. And I don't see Halo kind of being able to do the exact same thing. I hope it surprises me because Call of Duty, I guess, did in how much I ended up playing that uh, and that kind of hooked me. And I hope it hooks me. And I hope it being free to play gives it a big audience and gives Halo Infinite this extra mode that we didn't know we needed, but then was really actually <laughs> proper good. And 120 frames per second sounds awesome. You know, I'm sure it might, it might look beautiful. I don't know, Craig. Oh the, my God, right. Craig it's... the Goblin makes me think otherwise, but potentially. <laughs> well, they would have to make Craig an unlockable skin. That's how they, they're yes. going to get back in on that eventually. I was going to say with 120 frames, sometimes I can tell, sometimes <laughs> it looks the same as 60. And I know that that sort of, that sentiment is doing the rounds, but then sometimes I'll put a shooter on. I was playing the Halo Master Chief Collection at 120 and it was beautiful. So I think of all the genres that lend themselves to this, at least Halo could, you know, could be all fully formed. Here's Battle Royale, here's 120 frames, um, free to play and whatever. And maybe you get a free rec card pack to get you going and oh. there's i know there's the <laughs> there's potential for it i just think halo is in the weirdest spot right now but i do uh, overall i feel like after halo infinite got um delayed i was gonna say cancelled no it got delayed in my mind it pretty much got cancelled um they you know got back on there on twitter and just said look we are doing the master chief collection it's going to be 120 frames a second we're going to focus on this stuff and i kind of feel like microsoft or, or xbox have just sort of taken a step back and gone like what the hell are we doing with halo like yeah it's our biggest tentpole release there's a little mini master chief helmet inside every xbox series thing uh, s and x like there's literally a master chief etched into the console for those who don't know what the hell i'm talking about um and I feel like they don't know what they're doing with Halo. So I think they sort of take a step back, get Joseph Staten back in, the original um, trilogy's creative director or, or scriptwriter. Um, lead writer is the phrase. <laughs> um, you know, and, and try and sort of rebuild it from the ground up. I guess, I don't know, as a final thing, do you have faith that they can bring Halo together? Because if their, their twin-pronged assault is Halo Infinite and <laughs> Halo Battle Royale. I've got to have faith, man. And that's not just because I'm wearing a shirt with George Michael on it. You know what I mean? I've just, I've got to believe that. that Microsoft. Can, I would have gone um, Bon Jovi, but I see what you did. <laughs> yeah, of course. Very good. I've got to believe that Microsoft can save Halo. If they can't, then I can't have faith in Microsoft. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like Halo is this franchise that for me, I've just completely lost my interest in over the past generation, but I want it to come back. I want it to be this thing that sits alongside, you know, like the big Microsoft IPs. If they can bring Gears back and do that 
really well, you know, mm-hmm. after the original developers left. I know Rod Ferguson's still there and stuff, but, you know, after the original development team as a whole left, like, you can do it for Halo. There's so much potential there. There's so much scope about what you can do. And if you're going to have to do Battle Royale, at least do it interesting. If you're going to have to do <laughs> Halo Infinite, make sure you get it right. And I am quite, you know, pleased that they did delay it and they are hopefully going to get it right they're going to put the time and money and effort and resources into making it right Mm -hmm. so if it does fail now scott this is this is like me cutting ties with it entirely they've burnt me one too many times if they take all this time and then it's pap the thing that got me back in was the master master chief collection it took them literally like four years to get it right but um cross game uh playlists are one of is one of the best ideas ever like a quick game in halo one a quick game in halo three and then four and then back to two and then back to three like that's such a great playlist like to just uh, just enjoy all of halo and you can do um campaign specific playlists as well like let's play all the big set piece battles in a row from all the games like stuff like that is such a great idea um and i feel like they barely advertise that stuff once they put it in the in the mcc but um but still for those Who's wondering about Halo? If you have access to an Xbox console and you're not Josh Brown, who's is in the cupboard, I think, buried <laughs> <Yes>. under <laughs> mounds of clothes. <laughs> and if you have access to the Master Chief Collection, I totally recommend that. Um, but yeah, that's been the week's news. We are the news lads. This has been the news lads, and I've been Scott Taylor, joined by Josh Brown. Goodbye, Scott. A pleasure as always. Yes, yeah, so and we'll catch you guys next time. Bye bye. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Una Chaplin, and I'm the host of a new podcast called Hollywood Exiles. It tells the story of how my grandfather, Charlie Chaplin, and many others were caught up in a campaign to root out communism in Hollywood. It's a story of glamour and scandal and political intrigue and a battle for the soul of a nation. Hollywood Exiles from CBC Podcasts and the BBC World Service. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.